Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. So, welcome everybody to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. This week, I'm joined by a chap who I have been following for a while. Um, I've seen him at various networking events. I actually listened to his own podcast, which is fantastic, by the way. Um, And I really did want to get this guy onto the podcast because I think he talks a lot of sense when I've seen him at networking events talking about finance and the kind of uh, lending strategy he uses for his clients and the way he sets things up. I thought it'd be very, very useful for other people to hear it. So. Today, I'm joined by Michael Primrose from the Property Collective, um, sorry, the Property Finance Collective, previously known as the Property Finance Guy. So, Mike, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Cheers for having me on. No problems at all, mate. No problems at all. So, I'll kickstart for all those people who don't know who Michael Primrose is. Do you want to let us know who Michael Primrose is and what he does? Yeah, so uh, essentially I'm a commercial finance broker, um, so I own my own brokerage, uh, which initially started out as the property finance guy, um, so I initially started out as a one-man band, um, very quickly became not a one-man band, um, and actually ended up taking on uh, five members of staff, four of whom were female, um, and it raised that question when you're sort of putting out the property finance guy uh, and four sixths or two thirds I should say uh, of your of your staff are female um, it, it raised a couple of questions um, so yeah we just sat down and sort of looked at it and uh, yeah decided to to rebrand as the collective um, I'll be keeping the property finance guy as a sort of personal brand if you like um, sort of for my podcast and and such like um, but yeah, basically, we, we now sort of specialise in bridging and development finance. Um, I think at last count, we must be up to must be up to seventy eighty million pounds of debt raised now, um, and that's sort of within just over twelve months. Um, so yeah, we sort of hit the ground running really, um, and that's us in a nutshell. Really, sort of yeah, we we just help property developers and investors uh, to find the most suitable solution to. The most common problems, really. So, how long have you been going, Mike? Uh, so, the property finance guy stroke collective has been going since November two thousand eighteen. Uh, but before that, I had a, another business that I ran with uh, a couple of JV partners, which unfortunately didn't work out. Uh, and then before that, I, I used to work for someone else. So, I'm, I'm probably in terms of commercial finance, um, and I'm sat on a rather squeaky chair. So you'll have to forgive that. Um, but in terms of commercial finance, yeah, I've been going for about four years now. I think. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'd say in, I mean, I've lost count now of how much I've probably raised in the last four years, but yeah, I mean, if we're talking sort of 70, 80, uh, within the last year and a bit, we, I, I mean, I must be getting close to, uh, I would have thought 200 million, 250 million potentially. Wow. In lending. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In, in, in sort of brokered funds, if you like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just to also make it clear for the for the listeners, uh, you're you're a commercial finance guy, yeah. You don't deal with anything residential. 
Uh, so we, the only things that we don't deal with uh, are any transactions made in a personal name uh, okay. or anything that you're buying to live in yourself. Uh, other than that, we, we can help. I mean, pretty much, although we're called commercial finance brokers, actually everything we do is residential. Um, and it, it can be a little bit confusing because it's obviously if you're calling yourself a commercial broker, you expect to be doing commercial property. Um, but actually, yeah, everything we do is residential. Um, it's just called commercial finance because it's raised within a limited company. Right, right. Okay. So that's thrown me a little bit as well there, Michael. Because uh, <laughs> I, I actually, I always thought, hold on a second, Mike, so I, I shouldn't really be talking to him about finance because he just does commercial property. So that's, that's, that's very interesting. So you do all <laughs> yeah. kinds of finance as long as it's through a limited company. Correct. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And I think a couple of people have been confused by the same thing because it's, yeah, commercial brokers are assumed to be commercial property. Um, but yeah, we, the other thing as well is that a lot of commercial brokers will also dabble in invoice discounting, invoice factoring, asset finance, uh, business loans, that sort of thing. But, we, we very much steer clear of that. Okay. So what are your, your, your kind of core services that you offer? So the core services at the minute, uh, and I say at the minute because we're recording this in the middle of uh, obviously the pandemic. Um, so the core services at the minute are development exit. Uh, so that's development exit bridging. So that's any developers who are mid-build, they've maybe finished a build and can't sell. Uh, will then do equity for essentially an equity raise uh, in order to refinance the debt and allow them to raise money to either use for cash flow or to put into other projects. Um, the other big one as well, still at the minute, is development finance. Uh, so we work with a lot of big new build developers. Um, so I think one of the biggest schemes I've been involved in was a hundred was one hundred and seventeen new build flats. Uh, that's that's the biggest one so far. Uh, the average size is anywhere between twenty and forty units at the minute. Uh, we just had one in for sixty as well. So I mean, people are still building, um, and that's our big thing at the minute. That's that's what we're sort of helping with at the minute. Um, obviously, little bridges as well for for little flips. Um, doing a lot of refinancing at the minute. That's there's, there's a lot of people in trouble. Um, and yeah, I think this pandemic is, is, if there is a good side to it, which there isn't, but if, if you can see the silver lining, uh, it's that actually it's highlighted some of the issues that people have got that maybe they didn't want to address, uh, but actually have now been forced to address. Um, so yeah, a lot of what we do now is is rescue finance, essentially. Um, and then, yeah, just, just a lot of new build stuff as well at the minute. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Mike, do you mind me uh, taking you back a little bit and asking you what you were doing before you actually went into finance? Because I know you're, you're quite a young guy and um, most of the people I come across in finance are, you know, quite old and stuck in their ways and the way they do things, including some of the brokers that I work with. But for the listeners, do you want to tell us what you were, what you were doing before you fell into finance? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I've always been in property. Um, so what happened was I left school at the age of 18, uh, actually had a spot at university to study uh, crime scene forensics, um, which, which is a new one for me. Um, decided actually during the summer before university that I didn't want to go and do that. 
so I, all my place was ready, funding was set up, everything, literally ready to walk out the door to go. I meant, you know what, actually, I, I don't fancy this. Um, then fell into conveyancing. Um, so became a conveyancer, was running a little small office, small team. Uh, that was after I'd been doing it for a couple of years. Obviously, I didn't just go straight into management at that point. But um, yeah, did that for a couple of years. Got into a state agency for a brief period of time. Went back into conveyancing again for a brief period of time. Uh, and then ended up, uh, unfortunately, being made redundant from that role. Um, that was just as we were expecting our first daughter. Um, I think I would have been would have been 21 at that point. Uh, so yeah, at the age of 21, expecting our first child. Uh, made redundant, didn't have anything to do. My wife actually was made redundant at the same point as well. Um, wow. So yeah, it was a bit of an interesting time. Um, so it was very much just, yeah, I, I just go get the first job I can find. Um, and actually it happened to be uh, a business development manager for commercial finance. Uh, but actually it was more, it, it was actually on the commercial finance side. So it was business loans, asset finance, invoice discounting, invoice factoring, uh, company restructuring, that sort of thing. Got in there, uh, very quickly realized that actually the bigger market was property. So sat down with the MD at the time and sort of said, look, we, we were only a very small firm. There was only sort of, I think five or six of us, um, most of whom were accountants. So sort of sat down and said, look, we should be brokering property finance. Um, and at that point, they were essentially glorified accountants. So it was sort of, it was a new thing for them as well. Um, and yeah, we ended up building that up to to, to be very successful. Uh, and they are still very successful at the minute. Um, and made, yeah, made some great connections. But I, I just sat there one day and thought, you know what? I'm doing this for somebody else uh, to line somebody else's pockets. What am I doing? Um, and at that point, I would have been... I would have been 23 at that point. Uh, and we, yeah, we'd had our first daughter. We were married, uh, went and handed my notice in. At the point I handed my notice in, my wife uh, revealed that we were expecting uh, daughter number two, <laughs> uh, which was great. So just at the minute I went, yeah, I'll get self-employed. It'll be fine. Um, we then found out we were having a second child. Uh, so, yeah, that was an interesting time. I got into a, a JV, which was was just a shambles um and, and the main reason for it and and i always advise people against jvs like this because it's, it's just not the way to do it uh i went in with someone who was recommended to me right uh, and i went off the recommendation of someone very respected within the property industry uh, he made a recommendation to me that i should go into business with these two guys uh got into business with them very quickly realized that people weren't aware of the full story uh, with them um, and yeah it just it unfortunately didn't work out I mean there was fault on both sides don't get me wrong um, but yeah it just it very quickly crumbled uh, and it crumbled at the point that my second daughter was actually born mm -hmm. uh, so I mean you can work out the time scales there. I mean we were only in business together for I think it was about nine months all in um, so yeah that was that was difficult we went from sort of having uh, a semi-stable business uh, to, to all of a sudden I, I went three months with literally zero income uh, and that was at the age of 23 so that, that was quite difficult uh, obviously with a newborn baby uh, one stroke two year old 
yeah, it, it wasn't the easiest. And I remember sitting there and it was about, it was early November 2018. I went and did a talk in Leeds. Okay. Uh, I think I think it was the Leeds PPN from memory. Um, and Mo Jogi, the host, introduced me as the property finance guy. And a couple of people had done that. And it, it, it just stuck. And I just thought, you know what, actually that, that is a brand in November 2018, uh, having gone through this difficult period. Uh, I was talking at a property networking event uh, about finance, obviously. Um, and it was at the Leeds PPM, Mo Jogi, uh, the host there, had introduced me on stage as the property finance guy. Um, and a couple of people had done that at that point. And it, it almost like a light bulb went off. And I just went, you know what, actually, that it's a ready-made brand it's ready to go so no one else is calling themselves that it's a bit arrogant which is good when you're coming up with these sort of things uh to call yourself the property finance guy the guy to speak to about property finance mm-hmm. was a little bit arrogant a little bit out there but actually what happened is, is so in november early november I, I set this up and actually i spent a huge amount of time uh working with some branding experts uh, which was not a cheap exercise uh, whatsoever. Um, but at that point, we actually had some some business coming off. So uh, luckily, it was it was affordable at that point. But bringing on that that branding expert and coming up with the logos, and we we now have a very recognisable brand. Um, but had we gone in and just called it the property finance guy and had just sort of half-assed it a little bit? Um, oh, I've got to be careful. I can't swear on these podcasts, can I? Well, you can. Uh, well, I mean, I so, no, it's fine. I'll go, I'll go, but I'll start it again. So, calling ourselves property finance guy, if we if we sort of really made a hash of it and and not done the right logo and not done the right branding, I I don't think it would have had the same effect. But I think the fact that we came up with such a recognisable and approachable brand, um, I think really really helped. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's just sort of spiralled out of control ever since, really. In a good way. Oh, in a very good way. Yeah. Without a shadow of doubt, it's just been, I, I have to wake up and pinch myself most mornings. Um, just just to think where we were uh, just over a year ago um, to where we are now is just, yeah, ridiculous. Um, and we've just welcomed child number three as well. So it's sort of, oh, we well, need to slow. No, need no to, stopping need you, mate. To, well, no, no, no. I, the third one was the thing that stopped me. <laughs> that was, that was uh, yeah, just too much to do at the same time as trying to juggle a business. But, um, yeah, we've had a good period of growth. And uh, the, the lucky thing is, is that now the pandemic has come in, mm-hmm. we've actually got enough cash in the bank that we can not take our foot off the pedal, but we don't have to worry about being super aggressive. Um because I think the problem is, is at the minute people are so scared and so isolated, literally, that if they've got a broker in their face begging for business, it can be very off-putting and very uh, just a, just a turn-off in that sense. So it's it's quite nice that we can sort of just ease off and go. You know what? Actually, we don't need a huge volume of business to keep us afloat at the minute. We work with a lot of big guys who who are we're very fortunate continue to work with us um and it means that now actually we can just focus on getting some content out there just calming people down a bit there's a lot of 
false news going on at the minute about which lenders are pulling out, lenders lowering LTVs, that sort of thing. There's a lot of false stuff being put out on social media. Um, and I think it's just good that we're able to just sort of sit back and go, you know what, here's the content that you need. Calm down. There's no rush. Just, yeah, just just don't panic is sort of what, what approach we're taking to it at the minute. Um, and I think that, that seems to work quite well. But, I mean, we're, we're still so early on into this that it's, yeah, hard to hard to say what's going to happen. Um, I know I went off on a massive tangent there, but hopefully that answers how I got into property and also uh, sort of what's what's happening a bit at the minute as well. No, that's a that's a really informative answer there, Mike. I really appreciate that. Um, um, it seems that in your so going back from your say from your twenties to the age of twenty three, you had quite a few setbacks before it kind of the missile was launched and and the business really started taking off. Um, from what you've told me, seems like you you know kind of all the sh- everything just came to you as any bit of bad luck just all came at once. Yes, yeah, I would, I would agree with that to a certain degree. I mean, don't get me wrong, we never had it uh, horrendously. Um, it was We were always very lucky that we had our health um, and we had family around us to support us. So the, t- the two most important things never never left us during those times. But, yeah, money was always a struggle. And, yeah, we went through th- – there were some rough patches, but I think, yeah, they, they've all been – and like I said, we, we've never had it as bad as some people, but actually uh, they've, they've been great character-building uh, setbacks. I, I, w- I genuinely wouldn't change a single thing that's happened, um, even the JV last year. Uh, if I had to do it again, I would, because I think without that, that wouldn't have given me the kick up the backside that I needed in order to to launch this. And actually, uh, it gave me a whole new understanding of how to run a business. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't change any of it for sure. So, some very worthwhile lessons learnt along the way, huh? Yeah, definitely. Because anybody, I mean, for, as an outsider, I've seen you at so many events, and you know, you speak very well. You obviously know your field and your subject. You just, you just wouldn't know. I mean, for starters, you're quite a young guy, and then secondly, you wouldn't know seeing you on the stage. You wouldn't think, damn, this guy has had some serious lessons that he's learnt very, very early on in a business. Yeah, I suppose it's. It, I mean, I'm only. I'm. Uh, I say only. I'm, I'm 25 now. Um, yep. So I'm, I'm still very early on in in anything, really. Um, I mean, actually, of of my whole team, I'm sort of one of the youngest. <laughs> it's sort of it's quite ironic, really, that every uh, I've hired a couple of people who are older than me. I've, I've hired a couple of people that are younger than me. Um, but I think in terms of when I'm on stage, I try not to let past things come out because I think the the most difficult thing is is there's so much it's the best way of putting it there's there's so much negativity towards people sharing their story in order to sell a service mm-hmm. uh, and especially if if the story isn't that bad um, which mine isn't I, I it, it's not that bad a story I, I didn't have lots of things happening was I mean, a very quick so I, I grew up on a council estate uh which uh, nothing wrong with that at all um but we never had many holidays as a kid uh we, we had the most that we could possibly have um and i was very lucky that my mum she worked two jobs to to sort us out and all sorts of that, that different stuff 
Um, I, I never knew my dad. Um, he was around when I was young, but he was, uh, from what I can gather, not a, not a nice fella. Um, but the thing is that, again, that wasn't that bad because actually we still had the health, the family and everything else. And that, there's ways you can twist that story to sell a service. Yeah. But actually, I, I, I don't see why you should because actually to a certain degree, and I hope this comes across on stage, I try to be as genuine and uh, myself as possible. Uh, and I think actually the kid that was seven, eight years old and I've developed from that. Uh, if seven-year-old me got on the stage, probably would let uh, things like that affect it. But I think in terms of me, so many things have happened and you just have to take them and grow with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think people struggle with that. I think they struggle to to just take these lessons and move forward. I think a lot of people allow them to affect them, allow them to to bring them into their their story on stage. Um, and there's nothing wrong with a story on stage, but I think to, to use a story to sell a service is, in my opinion, just isn't quite uh, the way to do it. Um, and I think that's what we try to do. I, I just try to sell myself on who I am right now and, and actually what it is that we offer right now, uh, which is finance. Um, and my knowledge of finance is more important to somebody than what happened to me two, three years ago. Um, yeah. And yeah, that, that's that's all it is. I, I try not to to allow it to come in on stage because I, I just don't think it's it's quite relevant. Um, I get to some people, it's, it, it's a great story. Um, but I think actually, yeah, yeah to, to use it to sell property finance probably wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be the greatest thing. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. It may. It's great that you shared that with me because, again, someone being like you know, being an outsider, seeing your events, I would, you know, I come from a similar kind of background. You know, uh, lost my father when I was quite young. Mum brought me up, and we didn't have a lot. But you know, as an outsider looking at your stage, I would have thought, oh, you know, public school boy had a really nice upbringing, went <laughs> canoeing, <laughs> did this, did that. You know, lived in a really nice part of town, and it just, I think, you telling me that now because I, I never knew it. It's a uh, it really kind of brings it home that you just don't know what people's background is and what people have gone through in life yeah. before they get to where they get to. Yeah, it's it's a funny one, really, because you and it is that shouldn't judge a book by its cover, really, isn't it? And it's but at the same time, I I, I I I don't mind if people see me like that because actually, uh, I, I'd rather because the the problem you have in finance as well. Um, and I appreciate we're going off on a bit of a tangent, but I think this is it's quite an interesting subject to explore, actually. Um, the, the problem in finance as a 25-year-old is you're often sat in front of anywhere from sort of mid-40s upwards sometimes, some of these big house builders. Um, and we work with some national house builders. Um, and we work with guys who are doing big developments, who are used to dealing with the high street banks, who are used to having a relationship manager that takes them out, wines and dines them. Um, and they're used to having someone who's got 30, 40 years worth of experience. And the difficulty is, is that when you sit in front of those sort of people, as someone like myself, with only a couple of years of experience, yes, I can probably run rings around uh, most of the bankers these days because of the amount of time that I put into uh, learning my craft. Um, 
but actually it's that maturity level and actually i, I don't mind if people see me how how you just mentioned because actually it it probably does benefit me uh to a certain degree sitting in front of some of these big developers um for them to sort of think of me like that um i mean there's been some guys that i've gone and met with um and i've just acted like an employee rather than <laughs> uh the actual business owner because purely if they, I, I know for a fact if they thought i was the business owner never in a million years would they have have used us um and it obviously it comes out in the end that that i am uh and obviously i'm never I, I never lie to them i just act like the employee rather than the owner um and it, when it comes out they're always quite pleasantly surprised um but it's yeah it's it's an odd it's an odd market to be a youngster um because you, you've got to try and uh, yeah i mean you'll have seen it at a lot of these networking events it, some of it is the older generation who are getting ready for pensions getting ready to retire uh, yeah. and i think it can be difficult for people like that to accept that someone who's half their age uh can oh, actually be the yeah. one that that saves them um so yeah it's it, it's a funny one but hopefully that helps anyone who's listening to this who's uh maybe a bit younger that actually you you can be successful in property um and yeah you can you can help the older generation as well yeah i think i think uh times have changed you know you can't just uh uh everything's changing you know the way banking's done online now with all the modern day apps and it's just you, you just can't judge someone by his, you know person by the, the the cover and someone being young and it just doesn't work anymore someone can be 24 years old and just have so much experience and expertise in in their field that it just works really really well for the person you're talking to so yeah. you know I, I think you come across great on stage you know i think you've got a great sense of humor um although i think it's uh, it's probably an acquired taste for some people but you know i think i think when you're up on stage it's great when you speak yeah and i think i've, I've had quite a lot of positive feedback actually about my my sense of humor on stage but yeah i know it's um it, I, I do quite enjoy to play the joker a little bit um, yeah, yeah and that, that's, <laughs> but the thing is that that's yeah the, the reason i do that is because actually i i've from a young age uh i was always the joker at school as well and it, the reason being is because i've always just enjoyed making people laugh um yeah just something that I, i have a massive passion about if i can get on stage and make a couple of people smile a couple of people laugh then great there's a bit more joy in this world and god mm. knows we could use a bit more right about now of course of course so mike i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you about um so you said you've always been in property what does your current property strategy look like? Are you are you actively investing yourself? Do you buy property? Uh, are you doing what? What are you doing yourself in property? Yeah. So initially, we started out with just doing a couple of flips. Um, so that's myself and my wife. Uh, mm-hmm. I then moved into uh, working with a JV partner and acquiring a portfolio of HMOs. Um, I've actually come out of that really now um so we sort of try, try to step back from that and focus a bit more on the brokerage at the minute uh last year i dabbled in some rent to sa um which bizarrely enough uh, i got out of in 
was either January or February. Um, and I tell you what, that could not have been timed any better. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. I, I mean, it just, just could not have, obviously nobody could have predicted that this was going to happen, but obviously the, the crash of the rent, rent to SA market. I mean, I was, I was very lucky. I got out, I got all my money out. Um, and actually, yeah, the, yeah, just, just could not have timed it any better. Um, and then at the minute we're in the process of acquiring a commercial building, uh, to convert into 18 units. Uh, but it, in all honesty, I, I don't know whether that's going to go ahead at the minute purely because obviously everything's on lockdown. Um, so fingers crossed that will continue once everything is resolved. Um, but yeah, that's a, a very tidy scheme. Uh, it's it's in Lincolnshire, which is where I'm from, um, and where I'm still based. Uh, but it's actually a scheme uh, in the same town as as where my wife was born, um, and the the mother-in-law still lives there. So it's 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 quite a close to home one. Um, it's been on the market for oh, a considerable amount of time. Um, I mean, I've been with my wife for ten years now. Uh, and I, I remember it being sort of on the market when we got married, which was three years ago now. Um, so it's, it's, it's been around for a while. Uh, there's been a lot of different issues with it, but, um, yeah, we've sort of managed to overcome a couple of the issues and yeah, it's looking like it could be a goer. Um, but that'd be a nice one because I'll retain most of those units, uh, market, market dependent, of course, obviously. Um, and yeah, that that'd be quite a nice little one as well. Um, and obviously, I'll do the mandatory uh, Facebook lives while walking around it as well. Yeah, that'd be nice. So you've got no <laughs> JV partners involved in that, or you have? No, no, that's just just me and the wife. Um, I'm I'm very much trying to steer away from JV partners now at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just bad experience last year. Obviously, just hasn't helped. Um, but also the other thing as well is I just want to get some bits under my belt with her as well um because she's full-time in the brokerage as well so we sort of do everything together um and yeah it'd just be quite nice to do this together and just just get it done um i think yeah it it just just one of those where um it's better to keep it within us i mean it's no bad thing bringing a jv partner in but i think I, i just yeah i don't think i could i would want to lose any element of control on this one. Um, no, I get you. Yeah. I mean, we, my own strategy is this, our, our property company is just me and my wife. And uh, um, although we have uh, investors that will loan us money from time to time, very much like yourself, we've tried to keep it just for ourselves, really. I think it just works out a lot nicer that way. Yeah, I think it's nicer that way sometimes just to, yeah, just to have that thing that's that's yours. Um and I mean, we, we may well do some JVs with, with JV partners later in the year. Um, but I think especially at the minute as well, I think our, our focus has got to be on the brokerage, um, mm. which is our main income generating stream. Um, and then just see how how this year goes, really. Um, it's not started brilliantly. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed it, it gets better from here, really. What would you say it's like working with the Mrs. Mike? I know there's a few people out there that will, have got kind of mixed opinions of working with the person you live with. Um, as someone who does it day in, day out, and uh, not only do you invest together, but you run the brokerage together, how does that work for you in terms of your, your business and your, your kind of working relationship? Uh, it's tough, is, is the honest answer. 
Um, it, it got very difficult when we first started. It was difficult because uh, she was still working and then she was made redundant uh, while she was pregnant with uh, child number two. Uh, and it was it was quite tough because actually all of a sudden she was at home all the time and then the JV went bad. Then we set up a new business. So we, we took gone through all these bits together and it, it's so hard when you're at home all the time together and working together and there's, there's almost no break. Um, then I think the business had been running for about six months uh, and things were getting quite fraught. Uh, in all honesty, because you sort of you, you spend twenty four hours a day together, um, and then and all you ever talk about is business. There's there's no getting away from that. All you ever talk about is business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what happened is we we ended up getting uh, an office. Uh, we brought in a couple of members of staff, and we said, right, we we need to get an office now. We can't have people working from from the house. Uh, and that was almost like a just someone flipped a switch, and it just went back to normal. um and it it was just i think it was just getting out of the house just not being at home all day working living trying to do all this all this stuff in the same place all the time and it was it was generally like just someone someone flipped the switch and it it just became so much easier um yeah that that made a massive improvement and then unfortunately we had to bring the office back back home again um, because when Rupert, our third child, arrived, Alice had to have a cesarean, which was her third cesarean in a row. Um, so the recovery was much harder. So we said, well, actually, let's let's leave the office we're in. Let's let's bring everyone to work out of the house because we, we just moved house and we, we had enough space for everyone to sort of work out. Um, and that was for the last sort of, how old's Rupert now? So that must be the last three or four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's gone back to how it was previously. Um, in terms of you know, working together all the time, and it becomes an issue. And then we moved into a new office last week. Uh, and again, it was like someone flipped the switch and it sort of went back <laughs> to, to normal again. And then we, and then all of a sudden, it's right, you're in isolation. And now it's gone back to how it was. Wow. I, thi- I think the problem is, is when you work together, live together, work from home together, it's so difficult. Um, and especially at the minute with the isolation as well. I mean, it's you're looking at the same, in my case, the same four people all day, every day. There's no interaction outside the house, and it's it, it can get very, very difficult. Um, but, I mean, the, the actual working together is very, very enjoyable. Um, and actually, we bounce off each other really, really well, and that's why I think the business has done so well, because she's the, the sort of uh, compliance HR side. Um, so it's quite good because she keeps me in in check. Um, but yeah, if anyone's thinking about working with their wife or their husband uh, from home, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> brave is probably the only way to describe. Because yeah, I, I think you just need that separate space. And it's it's silly things like commuting to work. I think it just helps. You just have that. Because we always used to, when we had the office, we always used to drive separately. Yeah. Because as stupid as it sounds, if you're driving to work together, you've also got that issue of, you've literally got no apart time. Yeah. Um, and it was great because we, I mean, the commute was only 20 minutes. It's not, not a long time, but 
it was 20 minutes where she could listen to the music she wanted to, I could listen to music I wanted to. She could listen to an audio book, I could listen to an audio book. You're not sort of tied into doing the same stuff all the time. Um, and it was just that separation. I mean, getting get to the office and she's on one side of the office, two members of staff between us, and then I'm the other side. And it's almost like you are working separately. Um, and I tell you what, that, that worked really, really well. Um, but yeah, working from home together out of a home office is, I, I genuinely think, one of the hardest things you can do. Because um, it just it just puts strain on on a relationship instantly. Um, yeah, definitely. Some sound advice there, Mike. Some sound advice. <laughs> yeah. my, uh... I should, maybe I should get into marriage counselling. <laughs> you never. That could be another source of income for you, there, mate. Another source. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know it's, um, you know, me and my wife worked, uh, we worked together for a while and we did exactly the same thing. We would, we would come into the office at different times. Um, you know, she would, she would leave after me and she'd leave a little bit earlier than me for the kids. So it just meant it really broke up the day. So I totally relate where you're coming from in the sense that when you're working from home, what it's like, and then when you've got a personal space that it just, just changes the whole dynamics of everything. Yeah, Definitely. Really, really does. Um, Mike, I want to ask you about um, the PPM Monument event. Oh, yes. So, so people don't know about the PPM Monument event. Do you want to tell us what it's all about? Uh, yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> ironically enough, we launched in March, uh, on March the 3rd. I think we had 151 people at the launch. Um, and, uh, yeah, a couple of days later, went into isolation. Um so it was sort of the event got cancelled before it even started, really. Um, but, but essentially what it is, is it's a property networking event under the sort of progressive property networking umbrella. Um, but we're, we're sort of we're moving away from the sales style events. Um, we're, we're more just content, content, content. Um, and so, yeah, we're just... just yeah, it's just a networking event, Central London. Um, who knows when it's going to be back on? Um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, it's, it's an incredible, incredible venue. Um, it's held at the Steel Yard, which is actually a nightclub, mm-hmm. um, which is a great place to have a networking event, I think. Um, but it's it's also a disused tube tunnel as well. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's just an incredible venue. And, um, yeah, we had a really successful launch. Uh, and then, unfortunately, yeah, it just, just dropped off the face of a cliff. Um, yeah, it was bizarre. I sat there on Tuesday and I couldn't believe it was it was three weeks on Tuesday was the launch. And to think we went from 151 people in the room to within three weeks, not more than two people allowed to be together. Um, wow. Just bizarre, isn't it, when you think how quickly uh, it, it sort of escalated. But, yeah, I, I managed to turn my networking event you asking a question about my networking event into answering about a pandemic and pandemic i want to i want to move on to that shortly but before i do is anybody a welcome is anybody welcome to the monument event yes yeah it's very much just yeah if if you're in property and you're looking to sort of network with like-minded people and yeah pop along it's um and it's not even just property people i mean we've had business just people who run everyday businesses just wanted to get some advice around business um because we uh, yeah get huge uh, well i can only sort of speak for the launch but we had a huge variation of people in the ring um 
so yeah anybody's welcome what would your advice to be to someone who's say 1920 quite shy quite reserved wants to come along doesn't know anybody there because you know we've all been in that position years and years ago what would your advice be to encourage them to come along and you know to do what uh, well, I think it's exactly that. We we were all there at one point. So I think the, the advice is, is just remember that everyone that you're speaking to has done their first networking event. Um, there's nobody in that room who didn't go to their first networking event and shy, reserved, didn't really talk to anybody. I mean, I remember my first networking event. Uh, it was an event in Cambridge. Uh, for anyone who's met me, obviously, I like getting up on stage. I like talking to people. You wouldn't for a minute think that I had a shy side. Um, but actually, the event in Cambridge, I went, I signed in, uh, took one look at the room, went to the toilet, sat in a cubicle. Uh, I think I left it about 15 minutes until I knew the speaker had started and then left. Oh, wow. <laughs> Literally just got in the car and went. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing that. Uh, that's... That's not a good way to win business. Um, but yeah, everyone's been there. Everyone's had that first networking event. Everyone's had a horror show of a first networking event as well. Um, so I think it, it's just a case of coming along, even if you don't talk to anyone the first time you come along, just sitting there and just listening to the speakers, you pick up the information. Even if you just listen to the speakers and leave, you've still got something every evening. And then if you go again, you start to recognise people. Uh, I don't know, you bump into someone, have a chat at the bar. It's, I, I don't think there's a golden formula for networking, which, which people should, they try to come up with this formula for networking address. I don't think it works. Mm-hmm. I think it literally is just a case of you go to a networking event and you just see what happens. You just play it by ear. Um, and I, I think that all of this sort of running around, handing your business card to everybody, it, it doesn't quite work. It's about building relationships. And I think if you're running around a room trying to hand out as many business cards as you can, you're, you're not getting the value. Um, and I think nobody ever follows up on a business card either. Um, there seems to be a severe lack of following up. Mm. Um, so I think it's all about just trying to build meaningful relationships and it, it, it takes time um, I mean I, I don't know how many networking events I went to uh, before I actually spoke to someone for the first time it, it was a few um, and if you think actually yeah that was probably three years ago so within three years bearing in mind that took a year out pretty much in the middle so actually if you take actually if you think yeah a year to two years I wasn't only attending my first networking event, I was actually running my networking events. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing to remember is it's so easy. Once, once you start, it's like riding a bike. You'll never forget how to network. Um, and it's just about getting in there, just getting on with it. Uh, and I think for anyone who's 19, 20, 21, that younger end of the property investor market, actually you need to remember that you're going to bring a lot of value to the room because you're going to look at things differently to the 40, 50, 60 year olds in the room who are stuck in their ways, who have been in corporate life and corporate business for X number of years, very regimed at how they look at stuff. The youngsters are the ones who come in and just 
blow all that apart. So I think people just need to remember that actually they're, they're bringing a lot of value. Um, and I think, yeah, I think people just forget that. But they'd be, yeah, that'd be my, my tips, I think. And I think that's a great tip. And it's coming from the guy who sat in the cubicle and was very scared and now <laughs> runs his own networking event and has absolutely no issues getting up on stage and that's, talking to a room full of two, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred people even. Yeah, that's the first time I've ever told that story to anybody as well, by the way. So you should, you are privileged. <laughs> You're the I've first person the, to have ever. I've got the exclusive here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never told anyone about that, even... I don't even know if my wife knows about that, to be fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, not my finest moment. Like something you said about business cards there and nobody really follows up with a business card. Something I really liked at um, one of the other PPN events was um, the whole thing that the host does with opening up the LinkedIn app and being able to just find people in that room, which I thought was, was really, really powerful. Um, and something that you do very, very well is technology. And you've got this, um, for those of the people that haven't seen it, Mike's got this really, really cool chatbot type thing that he just puts up on the screen and you can scan it. And before you know it, you are just automatically connected with him. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that kind of chatbot and the whole LinkedIn thing and how people uh, in the room can link together very, very quickly? Yeah, well, I've actually, funny enough, I've actually adapted it uh recently since you've seen it uh and that qr code so what what i do for those of you who, who don't know is i have a qr code on the screen which people can scan the qr code with their phone uh and essentially then then puts them into a chatbot uh which is uh, a chatbot on my facebook page um which just takes you through a sequence of what are you looking for what are you after uh i send them a link to my podcast um and it just helps break the ice a little bit. Um, and they know they're not talking to me. It's, it's fairly obvious you're not talking to a human. But uh, it, it still works very, very well. Uh, but what we've actually done now is we've actually moved that onto a business card. So it's actually now on something called a Tappy card, which is a plastic card, which has a QR code on it that you can scan. Uh, but it also has, a I think it's called an NFC uh, which I, I don't know what that stands for. But basically, if I tap my card on your phone, it uploads all my details into your phone. Ah, yes, I have seen that before. Yeah, so we've we've now gone into those, which I, I think are very powerful. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've got one of those, which actually was free, bizarrely enough. Um, and it's, it's actually really good quality as well. Um, but that's gone through. So now people can either scan the QR code on the card or they just tap the card and it takes them through to either almost like a list of things that they can do so it can take you to my website uh they can click my facebook page instagram page twitter linkedin phone number text me whatsapp me there's there's all sorts of options on there that you can click um and then with reference to the linkedin thing uh this is the find nearby feature that you can use on linkedin um and essentially it uses bluetooth technology to to basically connect people in the room to each other if they're all opening the app at the same time. Uh, so it just means that rather than having to, because naturally in a room of 151 people in two hours, you're, you're going to see maybe 10 people, I think realistically, and have have actual meaningful conversations, probably 10, maybe 15 people. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're a, if you're a serial networker, you might get around 30. Um, 
but they're not going to be meaningful conversations. They're going to be, what do you do? What do you do? Right, here's a business card. Great, let's connect. It's, it's not going to be meaningful exchanges. But with the LinkedIn feature, what it allows you to do is add everyone nearby into your LinkedIn connections. Um, and again, it comes down to the power of the follow-up. Yeah. Uh, because actually, I would imagine most people that use that don't actually follow up with anybody uh, that they've connected with. Um, or they might, might connect with a couple. Um, but it is a good feature for growing your connections. And then let's say, so let's say I did it with the 151 people. Let's say I connected with all of them on LinkedIn. I then put a post out and potentially those 150 odd people have seen that post. Um, and it might just tweak their memory. They might just say, ah, right, yeah, he's the guy that was, that was talking about finance or whatever it may be. Um, so it can be a really powerful tool to use. Um, but yeah, we're, we're forever exploring new technology. New technology. Um, obviously, we went down the podcast route. We've now got our own mobile app as well, um, which isn't released yet, really. We're still still trying to build it out. I mean, it is on the Apple Store. You can download it. Uh, but we, we're still fiddling about with it, so it's not quite, it's not quite perfect yet. Um, so we've done that. Um, We've got the website that's all been built out with the latest technology to allow you to submit inquiries through the website. Uh, and I don't just mean sort of the inquiry forms that you get on some websites where you put name, email, telephone, and submit it like that. We actually have uh, inquiry forms where you could submit documents. You can you can literally submit a full-blown application, essentially. Um, so that, that's been quite powerful. Um, Trying to think if we've incorporated any other technology. I think that's it at the minute. We're exploring new stuff all the time anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Just to try and keep ahead of the curve, really. Um, I mean, the app is going to be a game changer when that does. When, when we've got that to do what we need it to do, that's, that, that is going to be a game changer. I mean, already you can go into our app, you can listen to all our podcasts, you can watch all our videos. Um, we're in the process of uploading uh, loads of videos into there that you can watch at your at your own leisure. Um, there's calculators in there. Yeah, we're just trying to make it sort of a one-stop shop app, basically that you can just go into and and anything finance related uh, you can do. No, it sounds great, mate. I think I think like you like we were talking about earlier on. It's always been a a very old man industry, and for someone like yourself, young to come along and really really kind of disrupt it i think you know and really flip it on its head and do some modern things with it it's uh it's going to be it's going to be exciting I, I look forward to seeing the app when it's full-blown ready and doing everything that you want it to do yeah fingers crossed and we'll, we'll do a proper a proper launch of it when we can um but like i say i mean it is there to download at the minute but it's not quite doesn't quite tick all the boxes yet Okay. Mike, I noticed on your website also your there's a section on there called Courses and Training, which doesn't have much content <laughs> in it just yet. That pricked my ears a little bit because I thought, oh, is Mike selling courses now? I must ask him what's that all about. <laughs> uh, so actually, that's that's back from November 2018. So oh. when, we, when we first started, we, we, as well as the Property Finance Guy, we've also got the Property Finance Academy. Uh, we, everything we, we have is the property finance something. So we've got the property finance podcast, the property finance guy, the property finance collective, the property finance group, 
the Property Finance Network, the Property Finance Academy, which is the bit that you're referencing. Uh, so the idea of the Property Finance Academy was to create a education training course company uh, that essentially delivered training around financing, um, which was all well and good when I set it up. Um, I thought, yeah, this is a great idea. Uh, but actually, in a good way, we actually just became too busy delivering brokering. Um, so it was sort of, it, it almost sort of took a bit of a back step. I mean, we have, we have done a couple of courses um, and we're, we're taking that online to a certain degree, but I, I don't see it being paid courses. Um, okay. we've, delivered, we've delivered a couple of paid courses, uh, which were well received um, and which were, were I, I hope, very informative for everyone who came along. Um, but actually, I think the future of this sort of training, so like the finance-based training, is going to be through things like the app, for example. So one of the good things that the app will do is it will have the academy in there. So I think actually there's there's a tile in there called the Project Finance Academy, which you can click on, uh, which will then be full of sort of snippet videos, for example, uh, that, that will just explain what is the bridging loan, what is developer finance, what is developer exit, what is a commercial mortgage, what's a limited company buy to let, how do I get it, what's the criteria, all this different stuff. Um, so when I was saying earlier that the, the app doesn't quite tick all the boxes, it's because we're uploading such a huge amount of content into there, uh, which will be under the academy umbrella, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the academy, was a, it, it was designed to be a fully-fledged, uh, training company um, but yeah we just became far too busy actually doing finance okay well that clears that one up so when it's, <laughs> when it's all on the app are you hoping that the app will just be like the the kind of thing that people have on their phone and they can just quickly reference it uh, exactly that yeah okay yeah like you're yeah talking. and there'll be yeah exactly that and it'll just i mean we'll we'll hopefully build things into it uh, I mean, we've got the calculators in there already, so someone could log into that app today uh, and they could go into it and they could have a look at the bridging finance calculator, for example, and get an indicative idea of what a bridging loan would cost them um, or development loan or something like that. Um, and, and that's all been built in, or is actually live at the minute. Um, and the hope is that someone will just have that on their phone they'll think, oh, I'm just appraising this deal rather than phone a broker or rather than sort of go onto an online calculator or anything like that. They just pull up the app and just quickly calculate exactly how much interest they're going to pay, what the arrangement fees are going to be, what the broker fees are going to be, what the exit fees are going to be, what the valuation fees are going to be, what the legal fees might be. Uh, and actually, it just means that they can then just plug that into their appraisal. Um the, the ultimate end goal is to actually build a full appraisal tool in there, mm-hmm. uh, which will actually allow people to stack their deals within the app. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's, that's a way away yet. And it can then, I'm guessing, just submit straight through to you and go through to a full-blown application? Uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, we've not built that function in as of yet, just purely because... Uh, the calculators that are on there are just designed to be indicative, but uh, people could take a screenshot, for example, and then ping it over to me and say, does this look okay? Or I mean, there's actually, funny enough, within the app, 
uh, there's actually a social feed, so you can use it almost like a, a social app. Uh, and there's actually also an in-app messaging service as well. Mm-hmm. So it it almost works a little bit like a Facebook style, uh, to be fair. And actually, there'll be a live video uh, functionality in it shortly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I mean, it's going to be an incredible app when it's when it's finished. But um, yeah, there's there's still a lot of features to to sort of flesh out at the minute. But it sounds really really exciting, Mike, and I really look forward to seeing it when it's finished. Um, Mike, before I wrap it up, I want to ask you one thing. What's your whole thoughts on this, uh, the coronavirus pandemic going on at the moment? I know it's uh, it's scaring a lot of people. There's a lot of fake news on there, like we were talking about earlier. Um, You know, a lot of people getting their little, you know, ounce of information in and it may not be correct. Um, What's your thoughts on it, your opinions on it? And, um, you know, how are you going about kind of getting the information out to your clients that you know I, I would i would imagine no doubt are a little bit scared maybe a little bit worried even and, and some are probably just you know absolutely pulling their hair out at the moment yeah so I mean, i'm not going to comment on the, the the medical side of it because obviously I'm, I'm not qualified at all but the the economical side uh and i, I suppose from the uh from the lender's perspective yes there are lenders uh amending their loans to values uh, the average we're seeing at the minute is about a 5% reduction. Uh, so if they're at 75, they're now coming down to 70. If they're at 70, they're coming down to 65, et cetera. Um, some are coming down more, but the average that we're seeing is about 5%. Um, we have also seen a handful of lenders leave the market. Uh, now, when I say leave the market, that that's a very important thing to clarify because this is where the fake news comes in. Uh, well, not the fake news. This is where the the ambiguous news comes in. So when I say leave the market, I mean in the sense of they've frozen the products that they're offering, new applications, etc. I don't mean that they've closed the doors and kicked everybody out. So they're very much still trading uh, and they're very much still, still active. They're just not accepting new applications. There are some lenders, uh, a couple like together, for example, who have shut their doors entirely. Um, there's another one as well who, um, I won't name names actually, but one earlier, uh, that has closed down all current applications. Out of about 200 lenders, you are talking about a handful that have frozen or stopped applications. So it is not a high percentage at all. Um in terms of reducing LTVs, that is, that is much more significant. Uh, I would say pretty much everybody has reduced their LTV to some degree. Um, and that is purely just to combat the situation at the minute because they don't know what's going to happen to valuations. They don't know what's going to happen to the property market moving forward. They don't know what the liquidity of, of property is going to be like when this, hopefully, uh, blows over and and we all sort of come out the other side of it and i think that's the difficulty at the minute and and everyone seems to have gone into panic mode rightly so i mean this is it is a worrying time there's there's no denying that whatsoever but everyone seems to have gone into panic mode where they're sharing on social media every single story they come across they're posting in whatsapp groups everything else and the problem is what they're posting is not always legitimate information 
Um, and especially in the lending market, that can be very, very dangerous because if they're posting about certain banks doing certain things, the, the problem you've got is let's take, uh, well, let's take together, for example. If you imagine had they not closed their doors, but everyone all of a sudden, a rumor went round and all of a sudden everyone was saying that they had closed their doors. Roma's on, uh, uh, together's underwriters and credit team and BDMs and everything else, all of a sudden have to field phone calls 24-7. Without a shadow of a doubt, the phones would be off the hook constantly because everyone would be sharing it. It would all be going around WhatsApp, social media, um, and you would get people who had loans either going through, uh, you'd have brokers panicking, you'd have all sorts. And, and all of a sudden, the underwriting team and the sales team all of a sudden becomes overwhelmed by the sheer volume of phone calls. And it was the same when the holiday, uh, the mortgage holidays were announced. Mm-hmm. The reason that not much is happening is because the phones are off the hook constantly. Um, it, it's just crazy. I mean, if you think how many people have got, take Shawbrook, for example, you think how many people have got a Shawbrook mortgage. As soon as mortgage holidays were announced, you can bet your last pound that every single one of them would have been on the phone at some point wanting to speak to somebody about how they qualify, what they can do about it, how it all works. And you would have also thought every single broker would have been on the phone as well. And I mean, you're talking about 60, 60 to 70,000 brokers in wow. this country. Wow. And if you think every single one of those is trying to phone in and find out what's going on, and that's why lenders, some lenders have had to just stop accepting new applications because their teams are overwhelmed purely by the volume of uh, phone calls that are coming in. And that's the problem. That's when it becomes a dangerous place to be at because actually it, it, lenders can just buckle under the pressure of all of those phone calls. If they're, if they're having to deal with that all day, every day, when can they deliver new business? Um, and I think that that's the risk. But in terms of, I mean, most lenders have come out and said that they're still open for business albeit just with reduced loan to values. Uh, and I think that's the important thing to remember is that lenders are still lending just not as much as they were before all this happened, understandably. Um, there's rumours going around about bank crashing, uh, about the banks crashing. I, I don't know where that's come from. Um, I, I don't see... Yeah, I'm not an economist, but I, I just... I don't understand the source of that information. Um because you would have thought if that was true, yeah, why would the government even be bothering with any of this help or anything like that? So um, it, it's, a, it's a very difficult time. There's, there's so much false information out there. And I, I often have to sit on the phone for a good few hours at a time talking to developers, investors, clients, just going through, this is what's happening. They, they'll have heard from somebody, oh, X, Y, and Z are closing their doors does that mean that my loan's going to fall through? And then you have to sit on the phone and explain, well, no, actually, it's not going to because they're not. And I've spoken to X, Y, and Z, and that, that's not the case. That's not happening. Um, and don't get me wrong, the ones that have closed, yes, it has it has affected clients. Uh, and naturally, the first thing you do when a lender pulls a loan is you are going to go on social media and you are going to kick off about it. There's no two ways about it. Um, but I think that just doesn't help everyone else who's got loans with other lenders. Um, 
because yeah i think naturally you end up with a domino effect of everybody panicking that the same thing's going to happen to them awesome uh you heard it from the horse's mouth there the guy who deals with the company's first hand mike when you say together have closed have they just temporarily closed or are they just completely now closed I, i'm not too sure when they'll be reopening if they are going to reopen uh they put a news article out to say that they'd they'd closed um, and that they weren't accepting any new business. Uh, I don't know what's happened to their existing pipeline. I don't know whether that's been cancelled or or not. This, this is where it's very difficult with uh, when lenders put out news articles. Like that. I mean, if you Google uh, about together, you'll see there's, there's a number of news articles uh, where they said that they've sort of stopped accepting any business. Um, but the problem is they'll give you half a story. They won't tell you what's going to happen to the existing stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, they've been going for 45 years, so I would imagine that they'll probably just wait for this to blow over and reopen. Um, I think uh, last night, I think they've got about a £4 billion loan book. So I think they can probably afford to take a couple of months out. Yeah, um, have a break. Yeah, exactly that. I think it is just a case of just just taking a bit of a break from the market, just letting everybody else, yeah, just calm down a bit um, and then come back into it with a clean, fresh loan book. um, Yeah, and not have to sort of worry if property prices have dipped, how it's affected the existing loans on the loan book. Um, It's a difficult one. It is a really difficult one. Um, But yeah, I, I don't know when or if they'll come back um i think it very much depends on what happens moving forward really no some uh, insightful inside information there mike uh mike before i wrap it up uh, last thing i want to ask you or last two things i want to ask you anybody who's young right now say early 20s looking to get into finance or even just start a property business uh, someone who's been there like yourself and been, you know, through the tough times and built a successful business, what would your advice be to someone starting out a real newbie, just sitting there at this particular time thinking, there's a lot going on in the world. What do I do? Do I start? Do I not? How do I go about it? What would your advice be to them? So I think the most important thing right now, if, if you were going to go and start a business right now, mid-pandemic, um, because that's what it is. It is mid-pandemic at this point. Um, or it may even be early pandemic, who knows. But to go and start a business now, I think you, the most important thing is to educate yourself. Um, and I don't necessarily mean go and spend thousands on training courses. I mean, more educate yourself as to actually what you want to achieve from the business. Um, and actually what you can give to other people. I think the moment you look at a business as what can the business do for you is when the business fails. I think as soon as you look at a business as what can I do for others is when you become very, very successful. Um, And I think that's the difference that I had in November 2018. I didn't think about what the business could do for me because I didn't have anything. Uh, I wasn't using the business as a cash power and anything like that. It was very much, well, what can I do for other people? What is my skill set? What can I offer to help other people? And I think the moment you start thinking about it like that, that's when you can become very, very successful. Um, and I think in the situation that we are now, 
it's, it, it's a very fine line to between not taking advantage and taking advantage of the situation we're in at the minute. I think there are loads and loads of opportunities out there at the minute and loads and loads of different things that you can explore and ways that you can add value to other people. I think what you've got to be really careful of is to not take advantage of people in the situation that they're in at the minute. Because um, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of rushed decisions that are going to be made. Um, and I think it's just very important not to take advantage of that, but to realise that there are opportunities where you can help people. Um, no doubt there will be some, some incredible, incredible businesses that are built and started during this period of time. Um, and no doubt it will be by some young tech savvy graduates or non-graduates um, who come up with something life-changing. Um, much like during 2007-2008, some of the biggest businesses that we see around us today were started because people saw an opportunity during 2007-2008, during the crash, to start a new and innovative business. Um, and I think, yeah, now now is the time to be disruptive. But I think in terms of j just educate yourself, that, that's all I can say, just educate yourself on what you actually want to achieve. Don't go spending thousands of pounds on business courses, property courses, all this sort of thing. Just really sit down and think about what can you actually do for people at this moment in time? Um, because I think a lot of people will be sucked in by doing a course of some description um, and then trying to regurgitate that information into their own course. Uh, and I think we'll see a lot of that over the next couple of months. I think we'll see a lot of gurus uh, make an appearance, I would think. Um, I ju it's just natural. I think we'll definitely see some without a shadow of a doubt. But I think, yeah, just... As long as people educate themselves and understand what it is they actually want to achieve moving forward and how they can actually help people, and that's a genuine help people, uh, then I think people will, yeah, will build some really, really successful businesses. No, that's some uh, that's some really sound advice there, Mike. And uh, I think you're about the third person who's mentioned education on the podcast when I've asked them this question. So it's nice yes. to see a lot of people... Are, are thinking down the same route so no yeah. thank you very much for that i think that would be really helpful for people listening mike i want to i want to finish this off by asking you a question i ask a lot of people and it seems to throw them actually i've found um over the last few weeks and i quite like asking it now so what's one vice mike could not live without it's got to be your phone isn't it what's that sorry i said it's got to be your phone your phone, phone. Okay, I've it's not, I've not had anybody said that to me before, actually. No, it's got to be. I know most people say cigarettes or something, like, something weird like that. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I think these. It's just got to be your phone, because without fight, yeah, I, and that's coming at it from a social and business side. I think, yeah, without that, I just, yeah, I don't know what we'd all do without modern technology really so i think yeah for me it's my phone um yeah 
No, it's been a saving grace for a lot of people at this time. I think the phone keeping people occupied oh, and definitely. getting you through. So, Mike, lastly, where can people find you if they want to connect with you, if anybody wants to reach out to you and ask you a, you know, a finance question or just, you know, just pick your brains about something? That's if you're open to that. Um, yeah, yeah, so the best thing to do is uh, either go to the website, which is thepropertyfinancecollective.co.uk, uh, or search the Property Finance Collective on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, and, and yeah, you'll find us there. Um, or look for me personally uh, on any of those platforms, and, and you can find me there. Um, or all my details are on my podcast, which is the Property Finance Podcast. And for everyone listening, I will put Mike's links in when I do put this podcast live. Mike, I just want to take a minute to thank you, mate, because um, uh, there's a lot I've learned from this podcast. There's a lot I've learned about you as a person as well, mate. You know, like we were talking about, never judge a book by its cover. I got a total wrong end perception of you, you know, like, you know, what you cleared <laughs> up earlier on today. So I think a lot of people will uh, uh, find that very, very interesting because I have indeed. And it's obvious that you're a very, very knowledgeable guy in the field that you work in. Um, and you've got a lot, a lot of value to give people. So, you know, my advice to people going on a networking event, if you do see Mike, just go up and say hello to him. You know, there you go. If, it's, if you're young and it's your first networking event, go and say hello to Mike when you see him at Monument because he is a real, real nice guy. There isn't no kind of, I don't want to speak to you, I can't help you. He's always smiling, always ready to have a conversation. Um, you know, all round, all round great guy. So Mike, on that note, thank you very, very much for coming on to the J2Hub podcast. I really appreciate it, given the circumstances, all being in isolation. So I appreciate it even more. And um, I'll finish it there by just saying thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. No worries. Thanks for tuning in to the J2Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.